0: This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders, I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. And I could not be more excited to introduce this week's guest. Ali Razakos is changing how people talk about and address one of the most crippling challenges facing salespeople and sales leaders today. And what I'm talking about is imposter syndrome. And yeah, we've talked about imposter syndrome before, but we've never done it with a bona fide sales expert. And that changes today. Allie's had a really successful and decorated sales career, including stops at some of the most iconic sales teams in the world, like Salesforce. She's experienced it all in her career with some of these companies, like being a top performer, being promoted, and then being recruited into even more exciting opportunities. But along the way, she also experienced firsthand how real and just how widespread and common imposter syndrome can be, and it started her on an empowering and important journey. Allie's become the go to person in overcoming the quicksand like impact of imposter syndrome that's frozen way too many salespeople and sales leaders in their tracks. Today, it's going to be fun. Today, Allie runs a wildly successful coaching business. She's helped multiple hundreds of high achieving leaders who struggle with imposter syndrome. And she works with highly successful, wildly talented leaders just like you to help you overcome the negative self talk build confidence. And then as Ali says so well, I love this quote she has, find success on their own terms. If you can't tell, this is a conversation I'm pumped about. I've been wanting to have this one for a long time. I cannot wait to dive in. I don't want to screw around anymore. Ali, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. What a great intro. Thank you.
0: Well, this is a conversation that's going to help a lot of people. And I'm really, really grateful that you'd be willing to join us for a few minutes and talk about it because This is not something that's just for the, you know, the few and far between. This is something that's wildly uh, common and normal. And someone like you that actually has a background in sales is going to help a lot of people today. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. It's an extremely normal human experience. Yeah, it's very normal.
0: So why don't we start by letting you introduce yourself just really quick for people who might not be familiar with you yet. Who are you and what led you? Like, it's really interesting Uh, that you chose to be an imposter syndrome coach what led you to that decision
1: for sure I won't give like the whole backstory because I I tend to do that but we only
0: have 45 minutes right (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: like 12 minutes of it so that's kind of boring but um, so you know I've been in sales kind of from the beginning my first job you know, was in sales when I was in college and whatnot. And then so when I got out of college with a language degree, I'm like, what the hell should I do with that? So I jumped into sales. So had a bunch of sales jobs and then um, was all, like, you know, was right away good at them. So like many people, they're kind of naturally talented um, at sales in terms of like being able to have conversations and be relatable and, and empathetic. And so I just kept pursuing it because I was like, well, makes me money. I'm pretty good at it. And I found myself at Salesforce. Yeah. (laughs) Like every, you know, like everyone's like, oh, I guess I'm good at this. I'll just keep going. Right. So then I found myself at Salesforce 10 years ago, which was kind of like the springboard launching pad of, of my career, because obviously now I was in the big leagues, you know, everyone around me was... Super talented, yeah, sure. I was the top rep at you know some smaller startup. No now, big
0: deal. Yeah. yeah,
1: but now it's like I need to be the top rep at this massive you know yeah. sales organization. So it really called upon me to you know dig deep into um, my performance and you know my mindset and whatnot. And so. I found imposter syndrome and coaching kind of hand in hand because I was really successful my first year at Salesforce when I was a BDR, and then I got promoted to account executive and that success did not follow me to account executive. And so it was hmm. bottom lot of the dashboard month over month over month. And, you know, my mindset was just in the dumps, right? Beating myself up, blaming myself, then blaming others, you know, in my head, of course, and just throwing me into a tailwind of a negative mindset, which was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Whatever I believed then became how I acted. And then my actions created the result, which would then was poor. And that poor result then reinforced my belief in my mindset, right? So I decided to get a coach to, because I kind of so identified, smart. yeah, I d- identified, I'm like, this is you know, I have all these tactics, they're teaching me what to do, but like, I'm messing it up. What you know what I mean? Like, there's something within my mind that is holding me back. So I got a coach in that moment. uh, And uh, I mean, obviously, it changed my life. So the first thing it did was obviously help me understand the mindset that was holding me back, like that operating system that was holding me back. And to um, really understand my blockers and upgrade that operating system into one that was working for me instead of against me. And that completely turned turned around my performance. So I went from bottom of the dashboard to the literal number one rep on my team, hitting 150% of my number, going to club, the whole thing, right? Let's go. And I was just like, oh my God, coaching is magic. I cannot believe I found this magical tool that I don't think many people know about. It wasn't that big at the time, right? This was 10 years ago. And so in that moment, I was like, I this was the most impactful experience of my life, you know, and so I want to give this gift of coaching back to more people, right? I want to make this kind of impact on people's lives. So I decided to get trained as a coach while I was still at Salesforce and then became a leader there with, you know, all of my coach training. I was a very kind of well-respected and well-sought after leader that people wanted to be on my team because I was like the coach leader, you know, I would like coach them beyond just the role, right? Coach them in their entire life because I just totally believe that you have to coach the whole human, not just the sales rep. And uh, and so I did- Especially you
0: know, now, even more today than before, even now more. I mean, more. it's
1: like being demanded today, right? People yeah. are obviously speaking out. And so had a really amazing career at Salesforce, uh, left right before the pandemic to head up a revenue enablement team at a smaller company. And then a year and a half ago, just finally decided to take the leap and follow my own dream, and stop, you know, making money for someone else's dream. <laughs> and so, and so I left the corporate world and started my own coaching business focused on imposter syndrome in particular, because I think, you know, this is might this might be a bold statement to start off this podcast with, but I let's really, go big,
0: Ali, go yeah, big, baby.
1: I really, really truly believe that it's not for a lack of like understanding tactics and strategies and Bant and Sandler and la la la. It's the crux of imposter syndrome that is plaguing the poor performance in all of us, right? Because it's the mindset, right? If you have a mindset that's working against you, no amount of Sandler and Bant and all these things is ever gonna cure that, right? Because you haven't addressed the actual core issue, right? You're just addressing the symptoms when you're trying to just give people tactics and strategies, right? Both are important, of course, but if imposter syndrome is present, It needs to be addressed. And so I love, you know, putting my two worlds together, right? My sales world and my psychology coaching world and helping people within that space to get out of their own way. That's really the mission that I'm on. So that's the work that I do with people in terms of addressing their imposter syndrome so that they can get out of the way of their own performance and their own success.
0: I love how you framed that up. What a great frame up. What a great introduction. I'm so excited for where we're going to go. Like, like, I feel like we just saw a movie trailer for an awesome movie. I can't wait for the movie to start. You know what I'm saying?
1: Totally. (laughs) Yeah. I can't so, wait to clip that and post it because I was pretty well succinct.
0: <laughs> that'll be a video that shows up for 650 people in sales leadership united, too. So right. that'll be that'll be good. Yeah. So you started to give us a definition. I think that's a really good place to start. You start you yeah. said that imposter syndrome, the crux is at mindset. So I definitely want to get into that. I definitely want to get into your operating system approach because I'm a big believer that losers have goals and winners have systems, and mm-hmm. any leader that wants to be Elite, that's the word we talk about here is being elite. Yep. It has to be system driven, not just like kind of muddle way through its based. Mm-hmm. But I love it. Let's, there is a ton of talk about it, imposter syndrome, Allie. Yeah. People talk about it all the time. What is Allie's definition of imposter syndrome?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you like the, the clinical definition and then I'll give you my personal. <laughs> I want
0: the Allie's. You can start with the clinical, yeah. but you better finish with <laughs> the alley. Okay. For sure. So okay. imposter
1: syndrome is is you know feeling like a fraud but it it's but that's the clinical kind of ter- well, the most common way of thinking about it but the clinical definition is really about incessant negative thoughts about your performance despite evidence of success right so you're mm. continuously having negative thoughts about your performance even though you are successful right and that's that's pretty succinct and i and i, I you know i believe that too but i guess what i like to talk about more so is like The deeper level, right? To me, imposter syndrome is that, but it's more. It's also the fact that I think 99.9% of humans on this earth have a deep, deep belief in ourselves that we're not enough. And we can talk about why that is. I'm not just going to make a bold statement without backing it up. Right. (laughs) And, and we also have a deep need, biological need to belong. And so Imposter syndrome is actually a cry for belonging, right? And belonging is, is you know, to be a part of a group, to be a part of a community, to be, you know, accepted and loved by others. But it's also about you accepting and loving yourself, like belonging to yourself, mm. right? And so, but coming back to the not good enough, because we have this belief that we are not good enough, we completely disconnect from ourselves and beat ourselves up as the strategy for success, right? The chip on the shoulder, the needing to prove myself, right? And it can lead to success. Those are strategies, right? But they are not sustainable, right? You're not, your body's gonna break down at some point, right? Because when you're trying to prove yourself and you got the chip on your shoulder and you're working like a dog just to prove that you're enough, right? Right yep you're going to neglect other parts of yourself, right? You're gonna neglect your self-care. You're gonna like neglect your health because those things are distractions from the prize, right? The prize of proving that you're enough, right? But at some point, your body's gonna you know catch up to you and be like, enough, I'm shutting down because you're not listening, right? And I'm gonna shut down. but um, but it all comes back to both the belonging and the not enough, right? And so for me, if we're feeling imposter syndrome, I actually think it's a great thing because I think that it's telling you it's time to take a pause and to do some inner work, right? To really figure out what's the what's the operating system, aka the belief system that nope. I've been using that is keeping me in this story of being not enough and keeping me in the hamster wheel of feeling like I need to prove it. Where wow. is this
0: from, right? So good. I, I, I'm i already almost done with my first page of notes, <laughs> trying hard to keep up with you. And and right now I feel like we're at a trailhead. Like when you go, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if you like to, I like to hike. You go to yeah. a trailhead and there could be like five hikes you go on from this one spot. Yes. And that's what I feel with you right now, Allie. I feel like there's at least five different topics you've just given me that we could do the rest of our, what well, we got 35 minutes on, on any of those. And um, I want to go with the sa- sales angle to start. If you're okay with that, I want to get yep. into the psychology of it. I definitely want to do that, but I want to do it through the lens of sales because yeah. this is the sales leadership podcast and you got 45,000 sales leaders that right now are either dealing with it, have dealt with it, or they're liars. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Or they have to face
0: the facts that they're a liar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, at some point we deal with it and, mm-hmm. Do you think it shows up more in sales? Is like, does the world of sales and sales leadership foster this somehow?
1: 100%. It is, it's a breeding ground for imposter syndrome, right? Because it's performance-based and I get it. We live in a capitalist society. Performance is, you know, one of our big, big values, right? But as humans, like when, I guess when we focus on performance-based as like a, as the Holy Grail, right? it demeans people to their productivity, right? It makes you a number. It makes you a machine, right? How much output do I get from your input, right? Mm-hmm. And we are more than that. Obviously, we have feelings, right? We have emotions. We have all of these things behind our productivity, but yet the world that we live in is so performance-based and it, and it demeans us just to our productivity, meaning that we then have to kind of turn off these other parts of ourselves, right? Kind of hide how we really feel and hide what's really true about us. And isn't that exactly what we feel like when we're an imposter? We're hiding, right? We're not being our truest self, right? And so that's, that's kind of it, right? Like, we're all, we get, you know, we get the uh, the mission ahead of us, right? We, you know, we have a quota, we have sales, and we all, you know, need to- need We to, sign up
0: for it. We signed yeah, we up, signed for, up it. for it, yeah. yeah.
1: But, and we signed up for it. Here's the thing, to bring it back to psychology. We signed up for it because we've been programmed this way as children, mm. right? As children, we had moments where we were praised for things that we did, Right. Ooh, you're like a boy, you know, they're so strong. They pick up heavy weights. Oh, wow, you're so strong, la, 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 all this praise. And now that kid who doesn't have a fully developed brain yet is like, hmm, when I lift heavy things, people like me more interesting, right? And so an operating system begins to develop about how you are valued in the world, right? Based on how you were praised as a child. Right. So, you know, for girls pretend that, you know, these are very generic, you know, examples I'm giving, but lots of girls are praised for their looks. Right. Their how, you know, their prettiness. Right. And so then they develop this need to look a certain way because they believe that only looking a certain way will get them the love and ex- acceptance they truly desire. Right. Yes. But everyone, every child, I believe, has been praised for Producing something, being productive in some kind of way. Right. So I think some, maybe more than others, and those, some, maybe more than others, are like predisposed for sales. Right. Because they got so praised for being productive as kids and, you know, teenagers and sports and whatever, you know, competitive. You're so competitive. Uh, it's not competitive. You're productive. You know, you're a, produ- you're a production machine. And then they get sold into sales where you can use your competitiveness and you can win and you can achieve, right? And you can be productive and people will love you for it, right? And they're like, this is amazing. I can get love by being productive. This is fantastic. But here's the kicker, as you and I both know, it's never gonna last right it's not a long lasting you hit you you close the big deal well guess what tomorrow the dashboard refreshes or someone else closes a bigger deal and you're like oh my god what do i have to do next to get this feeling again to feel so funny to
0: hear you say that ali every sales leader will relate i want to push pause i'm sorry this this is a great pause every sales leader that's listening to you right now knows i don't care if it's end of month quarter for me i I remember when I was running sales for a team with a thousand reps, I was publicly traded. I was on the hook for multiple billions annually, okay? And on January 1st, Salesforce would roll over to zero oh. after being at like 3 billion, right? And I was like, no. no. Exactly. I was like, we got to get to our first hundred million as fast as we can. Totally. And Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, I love your so distinction like they,
1: between- they, they take the drug away. Yes. And like, you, you fiend for the drug again right yes yeah
0: yes and, and i love all, your distinction it's All, by between,
1: design. It's all well, by
0: design. and that distinction between competitiveness and production is something i've never thought about before yeah. super interesting super because this is going to lead to some interesting so what's like you're building this case we haven't even got there i can see how the way you frame things leads to hey here's some things you can do to make sure that you your environment doesn't foster this right mm-hmm. um yeah. All right. So let me ask the next question then. So if it's if it's a breeding ground and you gave us some great reasons why, oh my gosh, we could just talk about that for the whole rest of our half an hour we have. Does it hit leaders different than it hits reps?
1: Well, I think um I think it's I guess I don't know if different is the word I would say, right? Okay. Because it's it's all a progression. I mean, before you're a leader, you're a rep, right? Right. So so as a rep, I think that that kind of precludes that you're maybe a little bit younger in your career sometimes right sometimes yeah sometimes sometimes we have you know obviously enterprise enterprise aes but okay let me so let me just think about it from a individual versus leader perspective i think obviously there's the situation where you become a first-time leader no question are you going to feel imposter syndrome because you literally haven't done the thing that you've been asked to do. That's like a normal response. If you didn't feel that way, you would kind of be a psychopath. Right. So it's like very, very okay to feel imposter syndrome in that moment. Right. But for me as a leader, that was, you know, feeling like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause I've never done this before. What the hell? That was like my opening to go even deeper into my own self-development, right, and into my own mindset work, right, because I can't take care of anyone unless I can take care of myself, right, my greatest subject that I'm ever going to study is myself as a leader, because if I can understand how myself and how I behave and why I do the things I do and what motivates me and whatnot, I can just translate that into understanding how other people work and behave, right, so I think there's maybe Uh, more being asked of leaders, right? Because you can be an AE and you can be a lone wolf and just be great and just crush it and not really have to be called to do the inner kind of work, the like inner empathy, inner exploration. Because if you're just kind of producing results and, you know, minding your business and not really causing any harm to anyone, you'll just be left alone and you can do your job. But a leader is never left alone, right? So I think- yeah, there's more being asked of leaders, I think, than as an individual contributor. But I think as an individual contributor there as much, you know, there's more in your control, I can I would say, and so you feel more responsible for any failures that happen. If that makes sense. Mm, that's not really that,
0: insightful. That's really insightful.
1: And so that can lead to feeling not good enough even more so, right? Because you're like, I have no one else to blame but myself. Not to say that a leader is going to blame their team, but you know, there's like 10 people on your team. You can't, contr- you know, can't, you obviously you're not in control of like every outcome, right? You're obviously trying to lead so that you can have predictability, but there's less of like, I'm a personal failure if I don't hit this number, right? It's more of a team thing. And I come back to belonging. I think there's some comfort in losing as a team and winning as a team. Yep. versus versus losing as an individual and winning as an individual.
0: So I'm not sure where the next best place. I want to let you be the sherpa that takes us on this guide right now. I, uh, we've had a little bit of the psychology of it. I love that we talked about it through the lens of sales. I love maybe if there's a conversation around the psychology of it, but maybe we're talking about symptoms versus root cause. I don't know if that's something that we we should talk about or not. Where do you think we should take this conversation next, Ali?
1: great question. So I think that um, most people want to know like what they can do
0: about it. Okay. Right? Let's go there. Let's go there. I would assume. I love that. You think? Yeah. Well, I wanted to get there. Let's go there now. Like, more time than less is good. So there's a yeah. lot of angles. Like, so like, I loved what you said. You should be you the greatest subject as yourself. So we should probably start there. How do you What should you look for on yourself? But then let's take it to how do you do that as a leader? What should you be watching for with your team as well? If we could do both of those, I'd love to do both of those.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that kind of brings us back to the operating system, right? So we, the current, if you haven't really, you know, done kind of your own self-development, you know, have you have a coach or therapy or whatever it is? If you haven't done that work, then you're you're most likely operating on a very old operating system that you developed as a, as a kid, you know, four, five, six, seven years old, right? And, you know, we haven't done the updates. We've been ignoring that notification yeah. pop-up. Well right?
0: said. Well said. I mean, everyone should. I'm interrupting you, so forgive me. I'll shut up no, again. Please. I love what you're saying. Everyone should have a like one of my biggest expenses I have is my mindset coach for myself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that that's something that everyone should do. That mindset coach has done massive things for me. And I think you're dead on. I think every person that's listening should be considering things like that. So I'm sorry, keep going.
1: Absolutely. And I have this aha moment today about why, and, and maybe I'll get to that in a second, because I'll let me tell the context for why that aha makes sense. But so we have this old operating system that we developed as a kid and like I kind of already described as a kid, we had all these experiences where we were either two things either happened. Right. So I I gave the example of like, we were praised for something we did or produced or won or whatever. Right. And then that created an operating system of like, I need to do things in order to be valuable. Right. And what that also told us is that I am not enough. I need to do in order to be enough, which created all of our obsession with, productivity and being busy and all that kind of stuff the second part of the operating system that was developed as a kid is you know probably when we were a little bit younger so we don't really have memory of this but oh does our brain keep the score here so you know when when we were babies we didn't have words to express ourselves right but we we have all sorts of feelings and emotions happening inside of us we're angry we're sad we're upset we're afraid right and because we can't communicate with our words and even you know even a three-year-old doesn't really have the can't really actually tell you what they're feeling they don't really know right and so we act out our feelings right we mm. act out. so we scream or we yell or we throw a tantrum or whatever it is right and parents you know who are doing their absolute very best i truly do believe that parents have a really hard job because the world is so demanding of them right they they're trying to have a job they're they're a dad they're a husband they're a best friend they're a brother they're this like there's just an endless amount of demands an endless amount of stress that every parent has i don't think any parent is stress free free right and so and then here's this kid you know crying or being upset or just like not shutting up right and your you know energy is low because you've been working all day and all these other stressors and your stress is high and all you want to do is have that kid not do what they're currently doing
0: (laughs) right true true. and
1: and it feel you know as a from adult to adult i totally get it right But the kid doesn't get it. The kid doesn't have the development in their brain to say, oh, mommy and daddy are stressed out because of work. And that's what's making them, you know, have very little tolerance for me right now. We don't, we don't say that to ourselves. We say, oh, I must be bad, right? What I'm doing must be bad. Uh, you know, it's my fault. So I internalize their frustration or them telling me big girls don't cry or ignoring me. I internalize that to mean something about myself. And what we typically make that mean is that how, what we're doing and who we are is not good enough. And in order to get the love and acceptance from our parents, we need to do again, produce certain things in order to get that right. So now we've become production machines that feel insecure about who we are. Right. So that's the I've operation. never
0: thought of it that way. I've, in my life, I've never thought of it that way. Thank you for that nugget. That's awesome.
1: And and now you will never stop seeing it. <laughs> right? Because even even little things, like even little frustrations that you have, we can kind of revert back to like childlike behavior, you know, like overreacting and like throwing a bit of a tantrum, right? Yep. And and it's because there's this old operating system that's running the show that is. Literally connecting you right back to your childlike self of when you felt a certain emotion and not being able to express it as a kid. Because basically when our parents either ignored us or told us to be quiet or to stop doing what we're doing, we learned that we needed to suppress our feelings. And so by suppressing our feelings, we suppress who we are, which is the cause of imposter syndrome, right? So, right. So, so we're all just being so imposters by the way all of us but <laughs> because we're all operating on these old operating systems that tell us that we can't actually feel how we feel we need to suppress how we feel. So and we have all these judgments that we have about our feelings, right? Oh. Yep. I should have done that. Why did I do that? That was stupid. All of these judgments. So what do we do? So you'll now recognize that you have parts of your old operating system too right now that you made the connection to childhood right yep
0: for sure i do 100
1: we all do still right but we obviously can start doing the upgrades you know you can't upgrade all at once and all of a sudden you're cured and you have the most magnificent high performing you know system operating in your mind it's a step-by-step process right and it really starts by becoming aware of all of the judgments that we hold about ourselves because Once you get aware of the judgments, you now are starting to become aware of your beliefs and your beliefs are the foundation of your operating system. So if you're judging yourself for, you know, I'm not skinny enough and I'm not pretty enough and no one's going to like me and so on and so forth, there is obviously a belief there that you're not enough, right? And where did you get that from? Your childhood. Cool. But becoming aware of the judgment pausing when the judgment happens and actually getting curious about the judgment so that creating enough space so that you can then decide to rewrite the judgment right because we don't pause we don't recognize we have the judgment we're just operating in you know automatic mode we just act on the judgment right so if I feel like I'm not skinny enough and pretty enough what am I going to do today I'm probably going to eat less and I'm probably going to put on more makeup, right? Just mm. subconsciously, subconsciously, okay. right? And, but if I stop to say, "Hmm, well, that's an interesting judgment, you know? Is that, is that true? You know, how do I know right. that's true? Like, what's the evidence? What's the evidence here that that's true, right? Just to get curious and then say, you know, is that thought going to empower me today? Like, is that going to help me today? Or is that going to kind of slow me down? and put me in a certain state that I don't know if I want to be in today, right? And obviously the answers are, yeah, no, I don't want to be in that state today, right? This is not very empowering. And so then you can decide, well, what's the new belief? What's the new thought that I want to believe, right? And maybe that is, you know, my body is perfectly healthy. And I'm so grateful that I have a healthy body, right?
0: Very different
1: than saying, you know, I look beautiful and I'm so perfect and we're not, you know, not the other extreme, right? It's just, what are the facts? You are alive. You are breathing. Your body is healthy, hopefully, right? It's still functioning for you. And that is a wonderful thing to be grateful for, right? And so that whole process is what we call the rewiring of your brain, which is the updating of your
0: operating system. Right. I love that because my mindset coach has taught me that your mind thinks in pictures. It doesn't think in words and stuff. It thinks in pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: when we we're doing that reprogramming with me. It was taking an old set of pictures and getting True. rid of them yeah. and getting a new set of pictures. So when you talk about belief, we tried to have images for each of the beliefs. I love that. It did a massive thing for me. And yeah. like the work required was not easy because it required me to literally go get pictures of what I yeah. wanted it to look like he yeah. wanted a hundred of this and a hundred of that I'm like you got to be kidding me he's like yeah. if you can't come up with, I was like I can come up with 23 of this yeah and he's like then you're not thinking hard you know, enough yeah like yeah. deep in, yeah yeah it was like yeah. that so I love what you're saying I relate to it all
1: well and and that's the thing so what I just described I think a lot of people will be like oh that sounds tedious you know like oh who has the time for that like I don't know how to do that right and it's true we've never been taught how to do it, you know, to like pause and actually talk back to our thoughts and have a conversation with our thoughts. And the the other problem that makes it, you know, less appealing is like, it's not, you don't immediately change, you know, <laughs> it is a, a rewiring, right? So what I say is like that old operating system is like a five-lane highway, you know, our, our brain chooses the five-lane highway all the time. It's easy, it knows it, Old beliefs, old patterns, self sabotage. It yeah, it knows that how to you know how to do that really well. The new rewiring is like a dirt road, right? Your brain's like, bleh, I don't do that. It's kind of dirty. It's hard. It's you know, bleh. so. But the more that we do that kind of hard thing, right, which is just pausing and and listening to our thoughts and being curious and then rewriting them, you're slowly paving that dirt road, right? And then you're slowly creating a tube lane road and, and so on and so forth. So, so the, the pausing and the, I love the visuals, right? Cause I do a lot of visualization with my clients and so do, you know. so does every top athlete in the world because it's true. Right. We do think in images, right? We have all yeah. these like micro memories from our past that mm. of moments where we decided we were not good enough and moments where we decided to hate ourselves and moments we decided, you know, things to believe about ourselves, right? Now we need to update with new images of the new identity we want to step into so I love that exercise that that your coach did with you because you need whatever whatever we can imagine in our minds can become true but if we don't imagine it it can't be true right so that's why visualization is so impactful because mm. without having something in your mind it can never become true
0: so given what you just said I have a really what may sound like to someone like you a dumb question so mock me if you want that's fine okay um does that mean that a symptom that we might look for is like an unwillingness to stretch or an unwillingness to do more than what's asked is is that a symptom or is is that too much of a reach for me to say that because i'm thinking that if i don't believe i can do it why why try if that makes sense
1: so uh, not to mess up this question, the first part of it got trapped up, like you paused, so I couldn't okay. hear the first part of your question. So.
0: Let's do it again. We'll make a note. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll cut that out. Hold on, make yeah. a note. Whoa, 45. Hey, take it, got it.
1: And I got uh, the last part, but I want to make sure I understood the
0: whole question. So. So, so this is what may sound like a dumb question then. Is, is a symptom, if you're a leader that's like leading your team, you're coaching your people, you're helping develop people to be better, greater versions than what they are when you got them is something to watch out for if someone has an unwillingness to lean in an unwillingness to stretch an unwillingness to I call it enroll for Mm -hmm. improvement if all they're going to do is like I'll do what's asked and nothing more is that a sign of potentially this imposter syndrome because maybe they don't if I don't believe I can get there what's the point is is there something Mm -hmm. to that or am I stretching too far
1: no I like that I like that um that's a good question I haven't been asked that before let's Um, go yeah well like my immediate reaction when you when you say that is there's a lot of fear in this person right and if there's a lot of fear then the person doesn't feel safe right so we talk about psychological safety all the time we throw yeah. that we throw that word around I don't know if everyone knows what that you know really let's come
0: back to that because I'd like to get your take on that because it is thrown out around enough I really like I'm glad you brought that up so let's yeah. finish this and then go to that
1: yeah. Well, maybe it all comes together because let's do it. I believe that a, a leader's job is to create psychological safety, meaning, so let's let's talk about the meaning of that, which is, you know, what I said to, in the beginning, really allowing your, your team and your reps and your team to be fully themselves, not just an AE on your team, right? Like your AEs have wives and husbands and kids and all these things. It's like, all of they bring all of those parts of themselves to work. Yes, you are coaching them to do a specific result at work or specific things at work, but these other parts of their life will impact how they perform at work, right? So psychological safety to me is feeling safe enough to feel your feelings and be able to express your feelings with your manager without the fear that something that you say is somehow going to negatively you know um, impact your um, your standing at work or your status at work, right? So you know, when I was having, you know whatever personal issue in, in my you know personal life um, at work and my, you know, my manager wants to talk about my pipeline, like it feels so insane to talk about my pipeline right now. like I'm having this big issue and maybe you know, they're not my therapist. I don't need to tell them everything. but feeling okay enough to say, listen, can we put a pause here for a second? Like, there's just like some other stuff that's really taking up mind share, and I really can't, you know, focus. And I, you know, if you have a second, like, I'd really like to talk a little bit about it or, you know, talk about what we can, you know, how I can kind of manage better. Right. But back to your question someone's unwillingness to go there is all fear based. And so, if they're afraid, then they're not safe. And so, you need to make people feel safe to be able to. Let them know it's okay to stretch and improve, right? And that you believe that they can.
0: Ali, you are like, I don't get enough of this conversation. This is so interesting to me and so awesome. So I've been writing down a lot of what you say uh, to help me with the post production of the show. But um, you've mentioned something a couple of times. I want to call it out and see if I've got it right or if I'm like missing something. Okay. Mm -hmm. It seems like one of the go to tactics to overcome this for yourself or as a leader is pressing pause, like press pause, Mm -hmm. learn to be comfortable in a world of go, go, go more, 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 be okay to press pause. Am I hearing that right?
1: 100%. 100%. Can we explore
0: that a little bit? I I think that there's a lot there that we could unpack. We've only got eight minutes. I want to take half of them on this. If you think that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a great place to go because It's so goes against our, um, our operating system, quite frankly, to come back to that word, because we are constantly trying to distract ourselves from feeling any uncomfortable feelings, right? So, you know, I will, you know, self declare. I definitely am a workaholic. I'm working on that. I'm trying to recover. Guilty. Yeah, exactly.
0: Guilty. <laughs>
1: and I, I did some work on it this this summer to really try to understand it a little bit better and what it feels like specifically for me, my own experience of it. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm a workaholic, but what is that? How does that actually show up for me? It's not just like, oh, I work all the time, because that's actually not true. I have quite good boundaries about when I work and when I don't work. So on the outside, I don't think people would think I'm a workaholic, but that's not what it actually is. It's about how I'm talking to myself and how I'm relating to myself and what I tell myself, right? And so um, the the coming back to the pause, right? So we are in a constant mode of trying to distract ourselves from how we feel. So my workaholism was a way to distract myself from uncomfortable feelings. And those feelings were often of inadequacy, right? Of not feeling good enough or, you know, not getting enough recognition or whatever it is. So in order to not feel how uncomfortable that feels to feel not enough and inadequate not significant or incompetent right because a thought comes up of like oh my god i sounded like such an idiot in that in that you know podcast oh my god right that that's going to create an uncomfortable feeling in me so what is the cure to an uncomfortable feeling well getting rid of you know like trying to not feel that anyway so the best way yeah. is to distract yourself from feeling that way so yeah. my of choice is work. When I'm working, I stop feeling my body, I'm just in my head, and I no longer have to feel that uncomfortable feeling, right? And so that is why we're all go, 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 because we're trying to distract ourselves away from feeling uncomfortable, and we're trying to gain dopamine, right? I gain dopamine when I go back to, you know, when I start doing something for work, right? That's why people scroll Instagram, right? Oh, I feel this uncomfortable feeling, let me go to Instagram, dopamine, yeah. right? right? So we're all just trying to, run away from our feelings because back to childhood, we were told to suppress our feelings, right? That we can't Mm. express them. We can't feel them. So we're just doing what we were told actually, right? We're just listening to what we learned back in the day. So pausing, although it seems so basic, so basic is one of the most powerful things you could ever do because it's exactly the opposite (laughs) of what we've been doing our whole lives right? Which is distract, 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 go, 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 go. Pausing is sitting in that uncomfortable feeling and be, and just being with it, right? Without judging yourself of how shitty it is and all this kind of stuff. It's just, mm, yes, this doesn't feel good. And just getting curious about that, right? And and even and if you do start judging yourself, getting curious about the judgments, right? Mm. Because all of this is leading to Again, these these deep dark beliefs, which are holding us back, coming back to the reason of this podcast, sales performance, which are holding us back from our highest performance, right? The highest performers out there are the ones, the sustainable ones, of course. You can have like really peak years and all that kind of stuff, right? yeah. but are the ones that have done the work on themselves to have a way to sustainably show up without burning out, without, you know. Being a shitty father or your mother, you know, without neglecting all these people around them, being able to have all of it because they've done the work to understand and heal those wounded parts of themselves that don't believe that they're enough.
0: Ali, so good. So freaking good. This is my... This is one personally, I, I'm, I'm grateful for all 45,000 of our listeners, but this is one that Rob Jepson's gonna listen to multiple times. So mm-hmm. thank you. I appreciate You're it. Yeah. We're down to our last couple of minutes. I, there were a lot of things we said we'd get to that we did. And I hope maybe in a few months you'll come yeah, back true. and join us yeah. and we'll go do a part two because this is something that's not gonna go away. This is something oh, we're yeah. just gonna get more and more at. Um, before I give you a chance to make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you and connect with you and get your content and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you would say to our leaders, like, hey, here's two or three things you ought to really start doing and maybe stop doing, like, right away? I'd like to give them a, a couple of those things from you. I I would feel like I let them down if I didn't ask you for that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I would say, um, as a leader, and then you can do this, and then it's really, really powerful to do this as a team, because I did this as a team, and it was, you know, we hit amazing performance, you know, achievements because of it. But um, one of the easiest ways to start pausing intentionally, right? Because when you're in the midst of your day, you know, I I get it. It feels hard to pause. You're like, I got so many things to do. Like pausing is is not available to me right now. Right. But just notice that that is an old operating system telling you that. But anyways, um, (laughs) um, so intentionally pausing. So gratitude journaling gratitude journaling is one of the most powerful and easiest tools to become more intentional and become uh, less judgmental, right? Because you can't be grateful and judgmental at the same time, right? So it's programming your mindset to look at things from a different lens, which is a beautiful way to also start to rewire your brain. When I started to gratitude journal like six, seven years ago, I mean, Ins- insane. It felt like my brain was literally rewiring itself, like things that used to annoy me. I was like, oh, okay, you know, not important, wow.
0: right? Cool. Yep. So
1: that's like a really intentional way to kind of pause, right? If, you know, pausing midday doesn't feel accessible right now to some people. The second thing as a leader is do it with your team. So I would Um, literally every morning, I would meditate for 10 minutes with my team. And then we would do five minutes of gratitude journaling. And sometimes people would share, you know, out loud, you can just do it in a Slack, I've had leader, you know, my clients will do it in a Slack channel where everyone every morning will like say three things they are grateful for, you know, in their Slack channel. And it just is creating, obviously, an updated mindset for the entire team, right. But people will start to see changes in themselves and their colleagues, and they will attribute that feeling to your leadership, right? Which is obviously what creates, you know, kind of a following and more people wanting to work for yeah. you because of that feeling that you make them feel inside, right? Versus like the discomfort, the uncomfortable feelings that most people feel. Now you're filling them, filling them with beautiful feelings that they want to feel more of, right? So, so good. Grat- gratitude for yourself, gratitude with the team, and I mean, this is obviously sounds very self-promoting, but like, I cannot stress enough how important getting a coach is.
0: We've already said it. No, this is a good yeah. way for us to transition. Talk about why I coach, but then let's talk about how to get more of you. Let's Let's do that yeah. because- listen, I I don't like the show to be promotional. And this is not promotional. You are exactly the kind of person that our leaders should be introduced to. So I want them to have as much opportunity to learn how they get more of you. Because all we did was we didn't even scratch the surface, man. We just kicked a little dirt on the road. That's all we just did. (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, coaching changed my life. And that's why I became a coach. And you know, I get Um, text messages you know every week from clients saying the same thing so it's it's incredibly um, fulfilling yeah fulfilling but deeply impactful work you know like the stuff actually works and the reason why is because a coach is a mirror right a coach is mirroring you to yourself right and that was what parents are supposed to do the only way that we learn is through mirror through mirroring someone mirroring back to us right and you know, parents for, again, doing all the best that they can, and you know, from, from what they know, what they weren't always the best mirrors. Oftentimes they were the opposite. They were telling us to shut up and go, you know, go away and whatever. And that was a suppression, right? So having a coach is like this magical experience of actually being seen and actually being heard at a level that you've probably never felt before in your life, even from your parents, because... Like a coach is that's their only job is to pay attention to you and give you space and literally mirror back what they hear from you. So perfect example, I was talking to Katie this morning. We were talking about the whole proving himself thing. And he was saying to his coach how, you know, but you know, it works. Like I had all these doubters and because I had doubters, I, I like hit all these amazing achievements and it fueled me. Like, it's so good to have doubters. And his coach mirrored back to him to be like, cool, sounds like it worked. But from what I'm hearing it sounds like you're always going to have to find doubters in order to achieve, meaning that you'll always be searching for doubters, which means you'll always find them, which means that you'll always feel like people doubt you, which seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And he was like, huh. And that is what like, that's the mirroring that we're talking about. Right. For someone to be like, what I'm hearing you say is this. And then you hear it back and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. You are right. Wow. You know? So it's just, you know, it's, it's the the type of um, relationship that we've all needed our entire lives, really, that we never really got.
0: So how do they get more of you? How do they learn what you're doing? How do they pick up what you're putting down? Like I follow everything you do. I'm a huge fan, but how do, how do these people get the same thing?
1: For sure. The place I hang out the most is LinkedIn. So I'm Ali Ruzakos, imposter syndrome coach on LinkedIn. Um, I do a weekly, no, not weekly, sorry. I do a monthly workshop um, where I talk more in depth about, you know, this exactly what we're, t- we're talking about today and imposter syndrome in particular and what you can do about it and my framework and whatnot. You can find that on my website. So I'll, I'll you know, post the the dates and the. we'll put that on
0: the show notes too. We'll put that yeah. in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Alibrzakus.com, pretty, pretty easy, but people probably don't know how to spell my last name. Um, but otherwise LinkedIn is like my my major hangout.
0: Any final thoughts for for all these listeners that have been picking up everything you put down? One one final thing to finish on.
1: Ooh, yes. Um, be kinder to yourself, you know, like that. That self judgment, you know, it's it's so pervasive. And just think, if you said all the things that you say to yourself to one other human being, would that human being be a thriving individual or someone that was like deeply unmotivated and depressed and pretty sad? Right. So the judgment doesn't work. You know, it's not. Molly, a thank
0: you. This was so good. I hope you'll come back sometime early next year for a round two. And no um, so doubt. Yeah, let's do it. Let's. You've done a lot of good things for a lot of people. Her name is Ali Rosakos. She's helping elite sales leaders all around the world and those chasing it. Learn to be high impact by pressing pause. And if mm-hmm. you get one thing out of here, give yourself permission to press pause. I promise you, if you implement some of the things she's given you today, you will see changes. Changes in your life, changes in how you lead, changes in everything that matters to you. So go find her, check her out. You're you're going to be glad you did. Allie, thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time today. And and like I say to everyone, do your best work so you can live your best life. And, And thank you so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. So nice to be here.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, our job as sales leaders is hard really hard and there aren't a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to the fact is most companies that spend millions in sales training sales tools sales process and sales people spend nothing for sales leadership process sales leadership training and the only sales leadership tools are rolled up dashboards and while it is true that companies should do more to develop the sales leaders on their team the fact is they don't most of the time And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. It is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets and resources. And whether you're a new sales leader or one that's been leading teams for years, you'll find all kinds of tools to help you create more impact with the teams you lead faster. You're gonna find it on Patreon and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in a three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting materials, leadership and one-on-one coaching systems, and much, much more. New material is added every single week and you'll find everything you need to become an elite sales leader in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Invest in yourself because you're worth it. Tap into proven training and techniques used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders and head over to Sales Leadership United today. I also want to thank each of you, our listeners. Over 45,000 people download this show every month and the show just keeps growing faster and faster. It's mind boggling to me that the show is now being listened to by so many leaders in so many countries all around the world. And I love hearing the stories of how the show has helped you in your sales leadership journey. They fire me up and I love hearing them. So thank you because there is no show without you. I only do this because I love the sales leadership community and I'm grateful that so many of you have found the show helpful. So thank you. Your support of the show has been humbling. It's been inspiring. And I'll keep bringing killer guests to you each week, just like Allie. Though Ali is an enigma of her own. She's amazing. You know, we are so lucky that we, have, we had her join us today. I, I'm already looking forward to round two. This conversation was the one I was looking forward to because I'm a fan of what she does. I follow her work. I've benefited from things she shared. So this one was really important to me and it was deeply personal because I've 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 benefited from overcoming some of the challenges she talked about today. I also love the fact that her work stems from her time as a salesperson. She isn't just an imposter syndrome expert. She's an imposter syndrome expert for salespeople and sales leaders. So yeah, I knew this was gonna be great, but even then I had no clue just how awesome this conversation would be because Allie has tons of depth here. If there's one thing you got, it's she is a bonafide expert and it's someone that is a sales leader you're gonna want to follow. So she came out hot in this one. She came out pointing to mindset right from the get-go. And it reminds me of a recent experience that I had. I got an iPhone 14 a few weeks ago. I was one of those pre-order people. And I was several phones behind in the current model and Verizon hit me up and told me it was time to upgrade. So they made it easy and I did. Usually I would do this at a store because I like them to move my data. I like them to move my contacts and everything else. and, And I like to just know that I leave the store with everything already done. Um, but in this case, the phone people that called me said, Hey, we're going to send the phone to your house. And it's going to be really easy for you to update your Apple ID, put the two phones next to each other. And the new phone's going to automatically pull the data, uh, and all the info from the old one and put it on the new one. So I opened the new phone. I set the language. I set up the, Hey Siri. I did a couple of other things settings wise. And then we got to that first moment, uh, that I want to refer to. And that moment was. Are you importing data from another phone? And I said, yes. And that's when I got my first error message. And the error message said, we need to upgrade the iOS. And what Apple was calling the most powerful phone they'd ever made couldn't do the data transfer unless I'd upgraded the iOS because we were two iOS's behind. So I upgraded the iOS. I had no problem at that point accomplishing the data transfer and setting up the phone easily. And while this was happening, I realized this is exactly what we're up against as sales leaders. We can't ask people to have 2022 production this year if they're operating off a 2019 mindset. And going into 2023, we can't ask any of our team members to do modern levels of performance with a historical or outdated operating system. And having the outdated operating system, that's a surefire way to fueling imposter syndrome fast because Allie is right. Sale's a breeding ground for imposter syndrome, and mindset is the crux of imposter syndrome. So the first half of this episode is about why we should be aware of this and why we should be proactive about imposter syndrome. The back half of this is a freaking masterclass on what we can do about it. Mindset, psychology, self-awareness, productivity is a driver of our self-image, the role of feelings, second guessing, and all these kind of quote, I should have judgments. But what I really wanna dive into is the concept of belief. Too many leaders coach to outcomes. This is a big deal. Uh, I have a chart on this that, that you're welcome to ask for. It's in Sales Leadership United. This psychology of coaching is massively important. Like I said, too many coach to outcomes, and this is a big mistake because honestly, we can't really control outcomes in sales. We need to stop trying. So there's another group of leaders who don't try and just coach outcomes and 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 have those grind kinds of activities and they go to the next level and they're trying to coach activities they push the more button more activities in their mind equals more success in fact i have a really large client that i'm trying to talk off of this activity management ledge right now the bigger you are the easier it is to feel like as long as we get the right activities in these guardrails that the the better off we're going to be and i don't think that's the route route to go i i I, I think it's an easy trap to fall into, but activity management is really only a rookie level of coaching. It creates a lot of problems you just want to avoid at all costs. But that's another episode for another time. I want to finish though with the elite coaches, the real difference makers like Allie. They coach to beliefs. Hopefully, you noticed that she went to beliefs pretty quick and wanted to, she could have stayed there all day. Beliefs are where true transformation happens. And belief is the level where we have most of our problems. So if you're coaching outcomes, you're at the rookie sales leader level. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Coaching outcomes puts you at the rookie level. These leaders are talking about the grind. They're usually using things like activity competitions. Their conversations are about how hard someone can hit it. We celebrate that. If you're talking about coaching activities, now you're at the amateur sales leader level. These leaders are talking about willpower. Their conversations are about discipline. Um, You're gonna end up with a ton of 50-50 salespeople though because some days they're gonna get it done and other days they don't. At at some point, willpower ultimately fails. It happens to all of us, it happens to me, it happened to me yesterday. Um, The conversations are almost always about behaviors and priorities. But if you coach to beliefs, now you're entering the world of the pros. You're entering the world of the elite. These are the leaders that are all about focus and beliefs, and these are the doorways to your thoughts and your identities. These leaders are able to connect to aspirations and true desire, and this is the kind of desire that ultimately fuels discipline so you don't have to talk about it. It changes priorities. The elite leaders help those they lead really focus in and change their beliefs. Now, you may say, what kind of beliefs? Well, beliefs in themselves, beliefs in what's possible, belief in what they're capable of, belief in what's happening either to them or against them. They they are good at helping strip away beliefs that have no reason to be there and serve no purpose except for negative ones. They also help replace these with new beliefs that fuel a brand new person, a more fulfilled person. And and these are the people that become 95, 10. I talk talk about 50, 50, some days on, some days off. You'll never be 100-0. zero. You'll never have a perfect, like, Always on, never off. But you can get to 90, 10 or 95, five kinds of levels of consistency if you are at the belief level because you become that person. And <clears throat> this leads to more fulfillment, and we can all be that kind of coach if we choose to be. But it's what Ali says is is true. It requires you to press pause. So if you want a framework on this psychology of coaching. Go to Sales Leadership United. I got a couple of resources there. You can become this kind of coach, but you got to be intentional about it. You're going to have to create an environment where the members of your team have trust and belief in your motives as a leader. And you can help them chase without fear if you do that. So go back and listen to Allie. I promise you want to take notes on this one. Her conversation with me was incredible. Learn to press pause intentionally. Follow her framework. If you remember at the end, it was individual gratitude and writing it down, then doing the work with your team and ultimately finding help from a coach. Do those things. And and then help those you lead be seen at a level they've never been seen before, not just for their numbers, but for who they are. I want to finish with this. Imposter syndrome is very real and it can be very paralyzing. And if you as a leader aren't intentional, you'll make it far more real than it might otherwise have to be. So make sure you're careful about your environment. Make sure that you do yourself a favor and put Allie's suggestions to work on yourself and with your team, and then do that work on yourself so you'll be equipped to help those you lead. Allie, thank you so much for joining me. I freaking love your work. You're a difference maker, and as my friend Alex Elaine says, you're a bar raiser. I encourage each of our listeners to listen to this episode a couple of times and take notes. Break it down. There's a fantastic blueprint here to help you upgrade your operating system and help the members of your team upgrade theirs. If you haven't connected with Allie yet, fix that right now. Reach out to her, connect with her, ask her about her services. If you want a coach, she may be exactly what you need. We'll have some links to how you get a hold of her in the show notes. We'll also have some video segments of this conversation with Allie available in Sales Leadership United. Finally, Thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you like this episode, do me a favor and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Goes a long way to helping me to continue to get the best guests in the world. Many of you have asked how you can help support the show and you can do it two ways. The first is to check out Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way you can support us is to just share this episode with your friends and your colleagues. Share the Sales Leadership Podcast with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, Chase your passions, and don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.